Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam We are continuing entreaties for the seekers of guidance by Imam al-Muhasibi radiallahu ta'ala anhu And this is session number 11 Session number 11, Alhamdulillah So we left off, um, if I'm not mistaken Yeah we left off on the following statement of Imam Muhasibi, Rahimahullah. Qalul Musannifu, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, wa nafa'anullahu yahu bi'ulumihi fi darin, ameen. Thumma rum jihazaka, wafrud min zadika, wa kun wasiyya nafsika, wa la taj'alul rijala wa awsiyaak, wa'aqil amrak, wa tayaqqad min sunnatak, fa innaka mas'oonun an umarik, qala Abu Umama radiallahu ta'ala anhu, لو عقل ابن آدم عن ربه كان خير له من جهاده So he said رضي الله تعالى عنه Basically it means uh, He says in the footnote أصلح ما تحتاج إليه في آخرتك So it means like Basically get your affairs in order You know Know that Whatever it is that we're going through in life We're eventually Going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So whatever we need In order to prepare for that He's saying prepare for that Wafrugh min zadik Means basically Uh you know, again, same thing. Prepare it and use this thing that you've prepared to get ready for the hereafter. And then be the one who takes care of yourself, essentially. And don't rely on uh, uh, like uh, how do you translate this? Don't rely on other people, essentially. We'd have to understand it. Like sometimes, obviously, we rely on other people. But in the end of the day, we have to give advice and good counsel to ourselves. Okay? Yeah, we go to people of knowledge, we go to people of piety, we go to people that we trust, we go to people that we look up to, and all of those kind of things. But in the end, we stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by ourselves. Uh, or at least we're responsible for ourselves. Inshallah, some good righteous people will stand with us, and they'll be there too, and maybe they'll help us, and so on and so forth. But in the end, we're still responsible for ourselves. Like I, and, and I think that this is sometimes one of the challenges uh, for people who are trying to improve in their relationship with Allah is that we oftentimes in the course of doing that we look for people that we look up to we look for mentors, we look for teachers we look for all of these kind of things which is really good and really beautiful and we should do that and yet at the same time we're still responsible for ourselves like it's not like oh I, you know I found this teacher I really love and I really like so now I just I can just you know not do anything. <laughs> like no, we still have to. Uh, inshallah, they'll help us, but we still have to do our own work. Waqil amraka wa tayaqad min sinatik. So so and and be have aql when it comes to what it is that you are responsible for. Okay, so like you have all of these things, this situation that you have, these responsibilities that you have. Use your aql about it. Right, I'm gonna. Uh, Again, when we stand in front of Allah, we have certain things, we're responsible for them, we don't divorce ourselves of them. 
I'm responsible for my own worship. I'm responsible for my own intellect. You know, I'm not going to let other people think for me. Uh, I'll take advice from them, sure. I'm going to take counsel for them. We defer to them in many times. But I'm not going to completely divorce myself from my own intellect. Right? I'm going to think about things. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. And uh, this is part of our own responsibility. So, waqil amrak, like have a good uh, understanding of the situation. Perhaps you could probably also understand it like, uh, no, that's probably more likely interpretation here. وَتَيَقَّدْ مِنْ سِنَتِكْ And wake up from your sleepiness. لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَتُونَ وَلَا So don't, don't like this uh, haze that you're in. Wake up from this haze. So all of this part is really like, take charge of your own affairs. You know, have, have himma. Have ambition. Have, you know, I, I am this human being. Allah created me. And Allah created me to worship Him and to know Him. And he gave me this guidance and he gave me this religion. And I'm going to take hold of this thing for myself. And I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to put in effort. And I'm not just going to let it go passively. You know, Passive income is fine, but passive deen is not fine. Like passive, we have to be active in, in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to keep pushing. He says, فَإِنَّكَ مَسْؤُولٌ عَنْ عُمْرِكَ Because you are responsible... For your own life, you know, you're responsible for your own life. In this regard, there's two good footnotes here. Uh, one of them is a story of uh, a tabi'i. His name is Muhammad ibn Ka'b al Qurazi, radiAllahu anhu, and he died about 108 after Hijra. And it was said about him that in the area of Medina, he had tremendous properties and lands, and he had a lot of wealth. Okay. Uh, some people might not like this one I'm just warning you in advance He had a lot of wealth And uh, it was said to him They told him like invest this And take care of this So that you can pass it on to your child Okay He said that وَلَكِنْ أَدَّخِرُهُ لِنَفْسِي عِنْدَ رَبِّي وَأَدَّخِرُ رَبِّي لِوَلَدِي he said, they told him, you know, take care of all this wealth you have and then you can pass it on to your child. He said, no. Rather, I invest it for myself with my Lord and I save for my child his Lord. Or, or my Lord, basically, right? Like, I'm not, I, I leave my, my child, I leave to Allah. And me, I have this wealth, I'm going to spend it in the way of Allah so that when, that's my investment. My investment is not for my child. So I put my investment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, donate it, give it away, everything else. And then I leave whatever uh, I, you know, my child is, has Allah. Similar thing is said about Umar ibn Abdulaziz that they told him this kind of thing, and he said, "No, I actually I don't leave anything for my children." <laughs> you know, he said, uh, "He said if if they're bad, then I'm not going to be the one that helps them in their bad, and if they're good, then their taqwa will take care of them. They'll be fine." <laughs> Again, some people, you know. It's okay. Not everyone has to agree on everything. Uh, so these are areas of mazaf. Uh, people can have different approaches to them. And inshallah, uh, Another one, the Prophet them on this topic, that we're responsible for our own lives, as we know, the famous hadith of the Prophet them, that the feet of the person will not move on the Day of Judgment until they're asked about four things. An umrihi fima afna. وعن إمه ماذا عمل به 
وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه وعن جسمه فيما أبناه So the person will be asked four things on the Day of Judgment. Before, until they're asked these four things, nobody's going anywhere. Right? So the first one is on the person's life and what they spent it in. On their life and what they spent it in. You can say, in a sense, that everything that comes after it is pretty much, a f it's, it's like another layer of that. Right? So the, the biggest one is your life and what you spend it on. That's everything. Right? And then he says in the second one, is that the knowledge that they have and what they did with it. So they have some knowledge, what did they do with that knowledge? I asked someone recently about this uh, topic a little bit, because anyone who's been in the world of Islamic studies, like traditionally, knows the problem that all of the people who have been in that world are going to be faced with. And that is that you become obsessive and dysfunctional. <laughs> Why? Because you're accustomed to seeking like knowledge all day long. And no matter what happens in your life, it's never going to be enough. So every single stage of your life, you're going to say, I didn't study this thing, I didn't study that thing, I need to do this thing, I need to do that thing. And it's never going to end. So if anyone's going on this journey, <laughs> I'm just warning you in advance, this is the... <laughs> <laughs> this is what you signed up for <laughs> the rest of your life. You're like, man, well, I didn't do this book, and I didn't do that book, and I didn't study this book, and I didn't do that. And then you're going to meet Egyptian scholars, and they're going to reinforce it for you because they're going to tell you things that are like just unbelievable. You know, like I asked one one uh, Hanafi sheikh in Egypt one time because anyway, the Hanafi school has like a million books. You know, <laughs> it's been all over the Muslim lands for the last thousand years, more than that, twelve hundred years, right? All of these lands, all of these empires, all of these places, there's literally like hundreds and hundreds of books, you know. And sometimes you're like, well, can I suffice with one book instead of reading the other one and stuff like that? So I asked the Sheikh, I'm like, Sheikh, like if we read, like there's four or five primary, primary primers in Hanafi school, you know, they're like the main starting text. So I was like, maybe if you study one, like you don't have to study the second one, you can just go to like the next level, you know. You go to the next level, and like you know, one at that level, and then one at the next level, and one at the next level, and they kind of like suffice each other type thing. So I asked the sheikh that, and he was just like, "No, sorry, you have to study all of the books of the madhab if you want to know the madhab." <laughs> I'm like, "How are you going to do that? You know, like is that even? It's not possible. I can't do that. Like, is but he's like, "Sorry, like, you can't do it. That's not my problem, right? Like, uh, he didn't say that. I'm not. This part of the conversation's over now. This is all hypothetical." But the point is, like, it's not someone else's problem if you can't do it, right? It doesn't change the reality. The reality is, if you want to know the method, you study all the books of the method. You don't study one or two or three. You have to read, like, 10 or 15 or 20 of them, at least. And that's not all of them still, right? So I'm saying that give you this uh, despair. <laughs> they give you this despair. So I asked the, someone about it. I was like, you know, I feel like the last 15 years of my life have all been the same. And that every day I wake up and I'm like, I need to study this, I need to study this, I need to study this. And I didn't finish that yet, and this one still needs to get finished. And he gave a very simple answer. And he said, yeah, and it's said, the hadith, technically speaking, from a hadith science perspective, is a little bit under conversation. But the scholars like the hadith. And that's the, the Prophet said, 
that uh, the one who acts upon the knowledge that they have then Allah will give them the knowledge that they didn't have and that was basically his answer you know it's like yeah you can do that of course we're all you know we all love scholarship and we can all do that forever but the one who acts upon what they know Allah will give them knowledge that they didn't know right so the second one that he says they'll be asked about their knowledge and what did they do with it and they will be asked about their wealth where did they get it from and what did they spend it on that's one question it's like one set their wealth where did they get it and where did they spend it on we could spend a lot of time in that but uh, one thing that I'll say when it comes to our wealth of course a really baseline question is am I getting my wealth from a halal job in the first place that's a really simple question but uh, perhaps a more uh, everyday relevant question or issue is do I have sidq in the work that I'm doing? And this doesn't mean that you have to sell your soul to the company that you work for and all this crazy stuff that we have in corporations and stuff now. But do I at least have some level of sidq and honesty and uh, like I'm tasked with a certain thing and I'm going to do it. One imam, I remember someone asked him, I was surprised, I was like, mashallah, you have, that's good, you had, you answered that straight. Someone asked him, I was there, he said, I work as a security guard and oftentimes there's not a whole lot going on and like we just kind of fall asleep you know like we take a nap and we wake up and a good portion of my shift is spent not actually doing what I'm paid to be do- doing right and he's like so what's the situation with the money that I'm getting from this job and the imam was just like yeah it's haram like the money <laughs> the money you're making is haram like you were you were getting paid for a job and you didn't do it so you basically took money from your employer without fulfilling your part of the contract so it's not acceptable for you I was like okay alhamdulillah point is we should have sidq it's an amana if we're tasked to do something we should do it again don't take this to necessarily like the extreme of corporate America if we live in a diverse world you know, I was talking to someone recently they said they work for a company that has people that work in the US and it has other people that work in Europe you know and they said the Europeans are always shocked at the Americans they're like what's wrong with you people like you don't ever leave work you're just always working you and they're like can you do this right now and they're like no I can't do this right now <laughs> I went home <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow you know and it's like America is really crazy with this thing uh, this is too much subhanAllah Allah help us <coughs> and then he said and your body and how you used it your body and how you used it okay then the author he said qala abu umam radiyallahu anhu law aqla ibn adam an rabbihi kana khayran lahu min jihadihi so he said that uh, abu umama said radiyallahu an if the son of adam i don't even i don't know how to translate that aqla an rabbihi like if he really understood properly how to have his relationship with his Lord or her, her relationship like this is the things I need to know these are the things I need to do this is how I put things in their proper place this is how I organize them this goes over here this goes over there I put all the things in the right place have sound judgment sound intellect about how I relate to my Lord and then if they do that it's better for them than jihad because they put everything in the right place this is like you can't emph- you can't overemphasize the importance of this really action. 
uh, and I think about this a lot. May Allah protect us from uh, misguiding people, you know. Is that all of it's Islam, you know, like anytime we go to anything and we hear anything and we watch anything or we see any clip or whatever else it might be, all of it is Islam. Inshallah, all of it is good, but it's not all necessarily in the right place. And uh, we could, like, actually legitimately waste huge portions of our lives thinking about the wrong things and emphasizing the wrong things and being concerned about and worried about and paralyzed by the wrong things um, if, if things are not in their right place. So this is why to have understanding of it is better than to make jihad. Some people, they have like a lot of uh, passion and they have a lot of zeal, but they put it in the wrong place. So actually what they, they end up hurting more than they uh, benefit. May Allah help us. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ مَنْ جَعَلَ هَمَّهُ وَالْآخِرَ كَفَاهُ اللَّهُ أَمْرَ دُنْيَاهُ كَمَا ذُكِرَ فِي الْحَدِيثَ الْمَرْوِيِّ تَفَرَّغُوا مِنْ هُمُومِ الدُّنْيَا مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ كَانَتَ الدُّنْيَا أَكْبَرَ هَمِّهِ أَفْشَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ ضَيَعَتَهُ وَجَعَلَ فَقْرَهُ بَيْنَ عَيْنَيْهِ وَمَنْ وما أقبل عبد بقلبه إلى الله عز وجل إلا جعل الله قلوب المؤمنين تنقاد إليه بالرحمة والمودة. So Imam al-Hasibi here he mentions this narration that uh, again it's a it's not the strongest narration but it has important meanings in it that are supported by other narrations. So he says no that whoever makes the pinnacle of their concern the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of their current life. So there's the akhirah, which comes later. Literally, it's that which comes later. There's the dunya, which is now and it's lower. You know, it's closer in a sense. And uh, it says, whoever makes their concern their hereafter, then Allah will take care of their dunya. Some people will hear this and they'll understand that like, you just don't care anything about any worldly issue. If you don't care anything about any worldly issue, you're actually not attending to your hereafter. You understand what I'm saying? So like, we have a responsibility connected to the hereafter to have concern about certain things in this life. Like if I need to work, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to work because like, I'm just about the akhirah, brother. I'm going to pray all the time and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. and I'm just about Allah, not about anything else. It's like, but part of your relationship with Allah is that you are about something else. You know, like you have other responsibilities that need to be fulfilled. So don't take this into some uh, strange place. But the point is that the person that their primary concern is their relationship with Allah and the consequence of that in the hereafter. He says, and if they do that, then there'll be like this narration that's here. Uh, and the narration says, Empty yourself from concerns about this life as much as you can. Because whoever has the issues of this life as their greatest concern, then basically their affairs will be scattered and poverty will be in front of their eyes. And whoever makes that hereafter the greatest of their concerns, then Allah will bring things together for them and He will make their wealth in their heart. And whoever goes to Allah uh, with their heart to Allah, Nobody does that except that Allah makes the hearts of the believers 
like basically the hearts of the believers get in line with them uh, with with mercy and with love okay so he says what you put your emphasis on the hereafter put the emphasis on the hereafter focus on that and go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the entirety of your heart and if you do that then it's it's counterintuitive right for many people they're like the harder i work about this dunya the more everything will come together and i'll get satisfied he said no it doesn't work that way the more emphasis you put on the hereafter the more things will come together and they'll be okay. And the more, uh, and then also take your heart and go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you do that, then the hearts of people will be with you too. It's very beautiful, subhanAllah. Uh, we were talking with some of the, uh, some of the loved ones about how, um, like sometimes we do things, we should pay attention to this. I'll give you a homework assignment Maybe you'll see it uh, Sometimes we try to do things And there's just no tawfiq you know? Some of the shayukh We ask them Shaykh can you make dua They just say May Allah give you tawfiq and taysir And you live your life And you're like Oh I get it Like That's actually what you need You need tawfiq and taysir your Tawfiq is like Allah put things together for you And you aligned with it And taysir is that It became facilitated Sometimes we try to do something and none of it is facilitated. Like it's just hurdle after hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. It's like the life equivalent of hitting all red lights. You know? It's like you're trying to drive somewhere in your life and everyone is a red light. And you're like, subhanAllah, it's never taken me this long to get to this place before. And it happens in life sometimes. Right? And that's like there just wasn't facilitation there. Right? And sometimes we try to do something and it's just muyassar. Like we try to do it and everything just falls in place. It's like this piece just goes here and that one goes there and like all of it just settles properly and it moves very smoothly. And how does that happen is that the person is connected primarily even though they're doing what they need to do in their life, their primary connection, their primary concern is the hereafter. Because when we rely on ourselves, we come up short. This is la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. No, there's no might or power except with Allah. So we rely on ourselves, we come up short. But when we do what we're supposed to do, and we rely on Allah, and we turn it over to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then everything falls in the places that it needs to fall into. May Allah give us taysir and tawfiq, and may He guide us to that which helps us to put things in the right place. Inshallah, He continues, He says, Wahdir ya akhi, wahdar ya akhi al-mira'a fil Qur'an. والجدال في الدين والكلام في التحديد وكون من الذين قال الله عز وجل فيهم وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما He says uh, beware my brother being argumentative about the Quran uh, and always being in debates about the deen uh, and, t- and, and trying to define too much Things that really shouldn't be defined too much Specifically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, And his attributes and his, his names and stuff like this There's a level at which we understand that what it means to say that Allah knows everything We just leave it at that You don't have to go deeper and try to like dig too much This is not a dig uh, Wrong word usage This is not a, a jab against like kalam or something at all. 
but it, it's just to say like we shouldn't be arguing about these things we shouldn't be arguing over matters of deen we shouldn't be arguing over the Quran stuff like this uh, what's the difference the difference between arguing and trying to find something out is really what you're trying to do in the end am I trying to win or am I trying to find the truth and this can be very subtle you know, because the, the, the nefs, our base self, is also very tricky. So, you know, we might get into a conversation and we think that we're having this conversation so that we can get to a deeper understanding of the truth. But actually, there's just a lot of nefs in the conversation. Just a whole lot of, like, nufus just all over the place, filling up the entire room. There's like, if you were to close your eyes and imagine all the nufus in the room, they're like crowding everything. It's like those cartoons where like someone gets really huge and they take up all the space and everyone's like, there's no room, it's like all these nefs in the room with the argument. It gets crazy. The reality of it is that it's pretty simple. I was talking to someone about it this morning, actually. Um, what was it? What were we talking about? It's basically some issue. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was some issue, and he was saying, like, yeah. It, and then it came up, like, this idea of these WhatsApp groups that everyone's on, and how there's, like, never ending debates about everything that people shouldn't even be talking about in the first place on their WhatsApp groups. And uh, then they went to the masjid and this person said this and this person said that and they had like a little discussion around like, why are you doing this in the first place? Like if you want to know something about the issue, you sit in a classroom and research the issue. I was like when, when I used to be in the masjid and people would come and they want to argue with me about fiqh. They're like, so what's the right opinion on this? And I'd be like, well, the Hanafi school says this and the Shafi'i say this and the Maliki say this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but what's the right opinion? Like, that's not really the way this works. Eventually people, like, they got frustrated a little bit and then they figured it out. Like, he's not going to give us, he's not going to tell us. <laughs> you know, it's not the way it works. It's not the way that fiqh works. It hasn't worked that way. Unless you're a mujtahid imam. So, a lot of the issues that we're talking about, like, there's not even really anything to talk about. It's like, okay, you want to know more about this topic? Then you sit down and read a couple books, talk with some people of knowledge, have a real basic conversation, uh, nice conversation that doesn't have any emotion in it, isn't like just all belligerent and like this is my opinion but I think it's this way and I think it's this way. So why? You just move on. Like, figure out what the deen is and move on. And if there's multiple opinions, alhamdulillah there's multiple opinions, then we move on. And we do what we need to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, so don't argue about these things and don't try to define things that don't need to be defined. And uh, be from those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described them as when ignorant people talk to them about things, they say salama. They just say salam. And he said, Walzim al adab wa ba'id al hawa wal ghadab wa aman fi asbab al tayakud wal muraqaba. Wal muraqaba tu gaya tu kastik. Wal tachid al rifqa khidna. Wal ta'anya sahiba. Wal salama ta kafa. And whatever you're doing in all of these things, try to have good adab, good character. Yes, I understand the irony of being someone who doesn't have good character telling people. And we're reading from the book. Walzam al adab. Have good adab. And stay away from desires and anger. Stay away from desires and anger. Basically, when we have good adab, 
there's a level at which we're very centered. This is not just like some new philosophy stuff. If someone has good manners and good character, they're going to be very centered. They're going to be very grounded. They're going to be really steady. And because of that, when it says, and stay away from desires and stay away from anger, what happens when those things happen? When we get angry when we have desires that take us over, basically what they do is they agitate us. They agitate us and we get un, uh, unbalanced. Then we start to do things that we shouldn't be doing, right? And our goal actually is to get back to a place of equilibrium. And this is when, when we're really connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's when we have this equilibrium. Because what's the only thing that remains stable in all of this whole thing? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the only thing that's stable. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else moves, everything else changes, everything else. So how does the person hold that rope that keeps them steady? Is that they're connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, have this adab. And part of like when we have good character is that we've reined ourselves in a little bit. You know? And we're paying attention. Okay, don't do that, don't do that. Ah, oh, you're getting a little bit agitated right now. Why are you... Why are you agitated? Okay, it doesn't matter why I'm agitated. Just don't act on it. You know, we figure out why it is later. You know, but don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything dumb. Don't do anything you regret. Just control yourself. You know, and this is this self-control is extremely, extremely important. I think it goes without being said in a lot of detail because we've said it ten thousand times that the the technological world that we live in, a huge purpose behind it is to make us agitated. Because once we become agitated like that, we're more likely to buy things in order to, fif- to, to put some, take the edge off of our agitation. You know? So the whole point of these, or we're more, we're more likely to invest huge amounts of time looking at things that don't matter because it just like makes us feel better at some level, but then it makes us feel worse too and we can't really figure out why. It's because the whole thing is bad. May Allah help us to figure out how to balance that. وَعَمَلْ فِي أَسْبَابِ It's a very interesting statement. وَعَمَلْ فِي أَسْبَابِ You know, act upon the causes of awakening. Act upon the causes of awakening. Like know that certain things will bring life to your heart and to your soul and act in those things so that we can continuously be giving, continuously be giving life to ourselves. One of the best things for that is to be in company of good people. And he says, and do all of that. They put this like that on purpose. So uh, it's interesting. Like, so you're doing these things. You're having good adab, staying away from anger and desires. You're acting upon the things that bring life to the soul, to the heart, to the soul. And you're we're doing all of that while the uh, while the state of muraqaba is our greatest concern. State of muraqaba is like we have this awareness of the reality of our relationship with Allah that He is raqib, that He is watching and aware of everything that takes place. And so I'm doing all of these things from the perspective that I know that Allah is watching. Then He says, وَاتَّخِذَ الرِّفْقَ خِدْنَا says, and take as your friend, gentleness. Take as your friend, gentleness. It's really nice, isn't it? Take as your friend, gentleness. Some of our cultures are really just too harsh. 
And uh, as one of our teachers always says, when you have excessive rigidity, you have hypocrisy. Excessive rigidity breeds hypocrisy. Because that's what it does. Like when everything is too rigid all the time, then people start to do things behind. What is hypocrisy? What is nifaq? Right? Nifaq comes from the tunnel. That the little like, say like the gopher. And it digs its, it's, it's over here and then it digs its tunnel. It shows up on the other side. This is a nafaq. Right? It's the tunnel. So part of hypocrisy is that this is what hypocrisy is. Like you thought the person was over here. Then they like showed up over here. Then they showed up over there. Right? This is nifaq is. But why does a person do that? Because there's so much pressure over here, they had to pop up over there, right? And so when we have these like cultures that are very rigid, uh, ways of doing things that are extremely rigid, then you start to find this as a very common practice. Uh, people have like second lives, they have dual personalities, they have all this other kind of stuff because the situation was too much. You had the, the tension had to be let go somewhere, and um, subhanallah. Uh, so he says, so take gentleness as your friend. Take gentleness as your close friend. And Allah, uh, the Prophet wasallam said, In Allah rafiq yuhibbal rifqa wa yu'ti bil rifqi ma la yu'ti ni ghayrihi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rafiq, he's gentle, subhanahu. And he loves gentleness. And he gives through gentleness what he doesn't give through anything else. This is sometimes like the Prophet them gives a principle, it's so profound. And like what we need to do is like nuhakim and qaida. I don't know how to say that in English. Like there's the principle. I'm gonna use this principle and I'm gonna implement it in my life. I'm gonna have a situation in front of me and I'm gonna be able to look at this situation and say, I could do it this way or I could do it that way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves gentleness and He gives through gentleness what He doesn't give through anything else. So I'm going to go with the gentle way. So at this point, I've, I've, uh, I don't know what's a good word for it. Sayyidina Ali, Shaykh, Shaykh, all these Shaykhs. It's <laughs> weird. Um, uh, like we're forcing that principle into action. Right, we're, we're making it the boss over the situation. That's a good way to put it. Sometimes it's easier to translate Arabic into like slang. slang. It just like works better. You know? so we're going to make that principle the boss in the situation. You know? Who's going to be in charge of the situation? This principle that, uh, that the Prophet gave me. And that principle is Allah gives through gentleness what He doesn't give through anything else. And that gentleness is not added to anything except that it makes it beautiful. And it's not taken from anything except that it dis disfigures it. It makes it ugly. The reality is that if this is not our default way of doing things, it's going to take work. Okay, so try. So now we get the second side of this. We're talking about rifq, gentleness. Initially, we're talking about it in relation to others, right? Another side of this is having it in relation to ourselves. So maybe we're trying to be gentle with others. We know this is the way that we should do things. But it's just not really what I'm used to. You know? 
Like maybe I just wasn't raised like that. That's not the method that I'm accustomed to. And whatever, like I'm just used to this like harshness and this uh, roughness and stuff like that. But I know that I should be more gentle. We're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. But again, who's going to be the boss? The boss is going to be the principal. And that is like, okay, I reckon I'm going to be on a 20-year, hypothetically speaking, you know, I'm going to be on a 20-year journey on that one. Um, so I know that it should be, I should be this way. But I also know that probably every time I sit with anyone and engage with them, I'm going to make mistakes on this. And I'm going to go home afterwards and be like, Why would you do that? You know, you shouldn't have done it that way. It's too, you were too harsh on that situation. Yeah. Then, then the gentleness has to go from being outward facing to being inward facing. <laughs> be like, okay, you know, like, yeah, you could beat yourself up over this until next year. But it's probably not going to help that much. So he says, so take, in all of this that you're doing, take this gentleness as your close friend. And take a ta'anni sahiba. And take as your sahib. Sahib is the one who's like really close with you, right? Take as your sahib ta'anni. Uh, ta'anni is a, it's a really beautiful word. Um, sometimes in English we say like deliberation. You know? Like you think it out a little bit think it think it through take your time don't be in a rush that to have kind of like some deliberation and some um, you know something other some other good word in English that I can't think of right now uh, to do that is from belief it's from good iman and to be in hasty and in a rush is from shaitan and again, like this happens all the time, because the the worlds we live in, the demands are tremendous. You know, sometimes I think about some of these shiuch. I have a lot of students. You know, I'm like, okay, so let's say person X. I'm not talking about like popular figures, but people who have like people who look up to them. You know, and and they're reaching out to them all the time, asking them for advice and stuff like that. So person X probably gets like a thousand messages in a day. <laughs> Theoretically, it's totally possible they get a thousand messages in a day. How do you respond to all those messages? You know, sometimes like we, I'm just going about my day and like I'm I'm in school and like kids are starting to get anxious and like someone's texting me something I'm trying to respond real quick and then like go back to the classroom and like, and you realize anytime you do that like there's whenever it's like a hasty response, you look back afterwards and you're like oh, I didn't really deal with that the way that I should have like there were some words that were left out, the answer wasn't really full, it didn't really get dealt with properly you know. But all that's from that hastiness is from shaitan. Not being hasty doesn't mean going necessarily that you're like really slow. Okay, so one can uh, there's a psychological component to it, right? Like someone could actually go slowly, but they're hasty because they're unsettled. The same thing about being unsettled and stuff. They're unsettled internally, so there's a hastiness to the way they're doing things, even though it's not happening fast. And someone else might be able to do things relatively, like they say that the Prophet them would walk so fast that they're putting effort in to try to keep up with him and it's as if he's going downhill. But they look at him and they don't see it that way. <laughs> right? So he's able to move quickly but without haste. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Rabbi, allow us to see him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Can you imagine? See, I want to see that walk. 
Like it's, it's one thing to read about it. I want, like I want to see that walk. I want to see what it looks like. You know, hopefully it's like one of our friends or someone we love, and on the day of judgment. You know, like that the Prophet Sallallahu will see someone we love on the day of judgment, and he'll walk like that to them, to take care of them. And it'll be like the moment you're like, oh, that's the description we used to read in the books. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So take deliberation as your companion. Wassalamata kahfan. Wassalamata kahfan. Not really sure how to. Any of the shiuk? How would you translate that? Wassalamata kahfan. I think that's how you could translate it. Just trans- oh, tra- that's the translation. <laughs> Did you guys see the translation? That they were trying to put the baby down and they put the cloth down and like very gently put the baby down, trying to take care of the baby. And that's like, وَالسَّلَامَةَ وَالْفَرَاغَ غَنِيمَةً And if you have free time or like some uh, availability, then know that that's a great blessing. It's a ghanima. It's a great blessing. Have a little bit of free time. A little bit of time to think about things. A little bit of time to slow down. With dunya matiyatan. And dunya as your um, vehicle. The dunya is our vehicle. So it's like, uh, you know, sometimes people are really negative about this life. One of the righteous people, they said, if it wasn't for this life, we would have en- we would have came in the hereafter with nothing. Right? Like, this is where we do it all. This is where we do the things that we need to do. So, whatever we have in this life is our, is what we have in order to take us to uh, better things in the next life. How many minutes do we have to Maghrib? Anyone? Two? وَالْآخِرَةَ مَنْزِلًا and take the hereafter as your rest, like your place that you take rest, your menzin, place that you stop at, the place that you settle in. Take the akhirah as your menzin. Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, he said, Inna Allah ta'ala lam yaj'al al-mu'min rahatan dun al-jannah. Hassan al-Basri, he said, Allah didn't make for the believer a rest except paradise. They didn't, you can understand. It's not all negative though, you know. Like we have moments in this life that are glimpses of paradise. That's why some of the righteous people, they said the one who doesn't experience experience paradise in this life, they won't experience paradise in the next life. That That there's like, there's moments that we have in this life, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, that are moments that are, um, uh, glimpses of paradise Glimpses of paradise, right? Maybe we should just stop there 
Okay, we'll stop here. Any questions or comments or anything before we close and pray Maghrib and then have dinner? Anyone? Yes. Can you say it again? I can't hear you. Why? Why? Why should? Why would you pay for it? Specifically, what he was talking about here is argumentation on matters of religion. But being argumentative in general is not good. It's true. But I think some of that is dictated by culture, too. Like, sometimes places are expecting you. Some places, if you buy from them, they're expecting you to do that. So you do it a little bit, and you get the proper price, and you move on. Without, like, getting in a fight about it or something. Or you just don't buy it. Or you know that the person's just and so you don't argue. Like Abu Hanifa radiallahu anhu, he wouldn't allow it. You know, He set the price at what he thinks it should be. Neither you buy it or you don't buy it. There's no. And if you want to if you want to like debate about the price or something, it's like, look, I made the just price. If you don't want it, you don't take it. It's fine. And there's no argument. <laughs> you just don't get it. <laughs> or you get it and you choose, you know. And I, I think it's hard to give... Uh, for example, sometimes we would be, we might be, especially as people who live in the West, in America, who tend to have a lot more money than most other people in the world, we might be in situations where we might be in a place where we know that the price that's being asked for is more than it, what it would normally be asked for. But I'll just pay it anyways and like make the intention of sadaqah. I know that this person just raised the price by a dollar. I also know a dollar doesn't really mean a whole lot to me, but it means a lot to them. And so I just make an and give them a dollar. You know? So I don't, I don't think there's... I don't know how to... Uh, sometimes things can have different layers to them. Sheikh Fuad, do you have any comments on that? Okay, anyone else? Did Maghrib come in? Yes. I don't trust my phone. It has the wrong city. So you guys have to tell me. Yes? Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma inna nasalika al-huda wa tuqa wa al-afafu wa al-ghina. Allahumma astunna bi sitrik al-jameel. Allahumma astunna bi sitrik al-jameel. Allahumma inna nasalika al-afu wa al-afiyah wa al-afahat al-daima fi al-dini wa al-dini wa al-akhirah. Rabbana atina fi al-dunya hasanatan fi al-akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhab al-nar. Rabbana la tuzir qalubana ba'da idha hadaytana wa habnana minna dunka rahma innaka antan wa hab. Rabbana atina minna dunka rahmatan wa hiyyatana min amrina rashada nasr min Allah wa fathun qareeb wa bashir al-mu'minin. Allahumma alina al-haqqa haqqan wazqna tiba'a wa alina batina batina wazqna jistinaba. Allahumma rizqna husnan khatima. Allahumma rizqna husnan khatima. 
اللهم عنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم يا عالم السر منا لا تهلك الستر عنا وعافنا واعف عنا وكن لنا حيث كنا اللهم انقذ قلوبنا لك ونبهنا من غفلتك اللهم انقذ قلوبنا لك ونبهنا من غفلتك اللهم اجعل اخر كلامنا لا اله الا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله عدد كمال الله وكما يليق بكماله سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سلاما على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين I'd also like to formally welcome Sayyidna, our, our dear friend and uh, Ustad Ali Nasruddin and his wife Shakla and their beautiful baby, mashallah, Hassanita, uh, to the Majlis. They're visiting from Chicago, but they're like, mashallah, do a lot of similar work to the work that we're trying to do. And... Uh, it's been a really nice weekend with them, alhamdulillah, so we welcome you to uh, to the majlis, inshallah, many, 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 many times, until you move, <laughs> <laughs> and come here, inshallah, barakallah fikum, inshallah someone can make adhan, and then uh, we'll pray majlis, barakallah fikum. Who's going to make adhan? Who'll make adhan? This side, this side. Someone on this side make it then. Who's gonna make it? Sayyidna? No? Imam? Do you wanna use the mic? Shaykh Honest? You wanna use the mic? Or you wanna just do it? <laughs> 